Green Team Academy podcast, episode 69. Tune in to my interview with Leslie Bazins of Denver, Department of Public Health and Environment. We're going to be talking about Denver's food waste pilot, that is helping restaurants reduce their food waste. Plus, you're going to hear some surprising tips and resources for how we can all reduce food waste at home. So stay tuned. Are you ready to make a positive impact for the planet? If so, then you're in the right place. My name is Joan Gregerson, and I am an eco-nut. Thanks for joining me today, and don't forget to head over to the greenteamacademy.com website to pick up plenty of other resources to help you on your way. And with that, let's get started. Hey, Green Team, what's happening? Oh, man, this is going to be such a nice um, episode today, so I'm glad that you're hanging out with us. I'm sitting down with Leslie Bazins, and she is the Food Waste Recovery Program Administrator for the City and County of Denver. And first of all, first of all, isn't that cool that the city actually has somebody that is focused on food waste recovery? And so we're going to be hearing about a, a program that has been going on, a food waste reduction program um, that has, they started a pilot program. It's only started in Denver and Baltimore with the NRDC. Um, but we're going to be hearing lots more about that as we talk with Leslie today. So, you know, food waste is one of those things that's the most ridiculous waste out there, right? All these steps go into making this beautiful food and then it gets wasted. So this is, this is something that is going to be relevant for you personally, as well as things that you can work on in your community. And so with that, I just want to say hello, Leslie. Thanks so much for hanging out. Hi, Joan. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm excited. Well, before we get into actually talking about the program, I just wanted to ask you, how did you personally get into this field of, of thinking about food waste? Well, um, I've always been an environmentalist at heart and been interested in lots of topics that have to do with the environment. So I actually uh, decided to go to grad school a few years ago and um, I studied environmental policy and I didn't really know which way to go with that because I am interested in so many topics. But in the course of my study, some folks, uh, other students were interested in food waste and I uh, decided to write a paper about it to kind of educate myself and learn more. And as I wrote that paper, I became aware of all the environmental, social, uh, economic aspects of food waste. And I realized it's a very complex issue. And I thought that was really interesting. So when it came time to write my capstone project to graduate, I decided to write it on the topic of food waste. And I specifically wrote it on food waste in Washington, D.C. I wanted to dive into what Washington, D.C. is doing uh, to address food waste and uh, what they could do better. And I did that on Washington, D.C. because that's where I lived at the time before I moved to Denver. So I just really wanted to know what my own city was doing and how, you know, I provided them with recommendations on what they could improve. And so that's how I got into it. Then I started volunteering for a fantastic group of folks in D.C. called the Food Recovery Working Group um, that gathers um, people that work in government, private sector um, 
as well as nonprofits that are, you know, all geared toward reducing food waste. And I learned more through that, organized some panels and educated myself further and realized that that was really kind of where I wanted to um, have my career go. Wow. So here I am. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we're so happy to have you in Denver working on this because it is one of those things that's just so heartbreaking when you when you see food being wasted and we pretty much go through our days, whether it's in our own refrigerators or out at, at restaurants or in our schools um, or, you know, anywhere that we are. So, um, Leslie, so tell us a little bit about this, this program that you came to Denver to start working on. Yeah, sure. So the city applied for a grant with the Natural Resources Defense Council, NRDC, which is a big environmental NGO. And NRDC received uh, money from the Rockefeller Foundation to work on this topic. Um, and so the, the interest came from the city through its food vision, which is a document that was created with a lot of community input and kind of lays out over the next several years, kind of how the food systems in uh, Denver could be improved. And a topic of interest to the community was food waste. So that made it into the document, and we have a target uh, to reduce the amount of food going to waste by 57% by 2030. So the city then, you know, kind of looked for how to, to start working on that and, and to reduce food waste in the city and applied for this grant uh, with NRDC. So that's how we kind of got involved in that. We got selected. Um, and what we're really looking to do is um, food waste prevention, recovery, and then work on composting. So the city is looking at these different aspects of the problem um, and how we can do better. So we have an interesting food waste uh, reduction pilot going on in restaurants. And as part of the project, I actually work with different divisions within um, the Department of Public Health health and the environment, which is where the project is hosted. So the project started with restaurants in uh, the Highlands in May and June of this year. So what we did is we worked with eight restaurants and um, set them up for compost. So the city was offering the restaurant with composting services for free for the duration of the pilot. And then really got them to think about prevention. How can they prevent food waste from occurring in the first place? And then we also set them up with um, a food rescue agency that could come pick up any unused uh, and edible food. So we learned a lot during the course of the project. The restaurants were very excited. Uh, a lot of them picked up the composting service even beyond the project. And I guess as a second phase for the city, we were really looking at, um, you know, what's next? Do we take the citywide? Um, and if so, how? And we received very strong feedback from the participating restaurants that they really liked the neighborhood by neighborhood approach because they like to, you know, meet in person, hear from one another and know what other restaurants are doing. So based on that feedback, we actually launched the next phase of this uh, pilot, which is in South Pearl. We launched it about two weeks ago. We had our kickoff meeting and restaurants are now starting to participate. We also have some exciting material. So you can, um, if you're in South Pearl Street, you can look for logos in their windows uh, that they participate in the Food Matters Denver uh, project. And similarly, you know, we're really looking for them to think about prevention because you know, a lot of people think of food waste and they think of composting. But by the time you've composted, you've already wasted all of the resources that went into producing, growing, transporting, storing that food. 
So prevention is really a key component of the project. There will always be some food that will go to waste. So that's why composting is part of the project as well. But the prevention piece um, is really an exciting one. And it could be thinking about ways to use ingredients that would otherwise go to waste. Uh, it could be offering smaller portion sizes. In the case of the pilot that we did in the Highlands, uh, one of the participants made dog biscuits with leftover uh, cheese and bacon. So those are all really great ideas. Um, in Washington, D.C., when I was working there, we also had restaurants that were using some of these uh, leftover ingredients to make dishes that became very popular. Uh, one of them was a salmon belly dish. One was uh, tots made with broccoli stems. So there's a lot of possibilities out there and a lot of things that these restaurants can do. And we're really looking forward to see, you know, yeah, what they will come up with. Um, something that we did notice during the initial pilot in the Highlands is that as restaurants started composting, they became more aware of exactly what was going um, in the trash because it became easier for them to actually visually see what they were throwing away since it was, you know, just compost and all food instead of just regular trash. And as they were seeing that, they started coming up with these food prevention, uh, food waste prevention strategies. So that's kind of an interesting part of this and an unexpected, I guess, side effect um, is that, yeah, it's really the visual that led to the prevention side, um, you know, coming to fruition. That's, that's really interesting because I, I'm also, I also do wellness coaching. And one of the things that is linked to better health is tracking your food. So when you track your food, you tend to lose weight. And when you lose weight, you tend to um, end up at a, with better health. But it starts with, with tracking your food. And so yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is exactly the same thing. And I, I think the other thing is that our trash system is so much, we throw things away and there is no away. So if you if you're throwing it and then you're seeing it, that that would build that kind of self awareness of what your actions are actually doing and seeing it more as a resource. So that's pretty cool. And also, Leslie. So I know that the the neighborhood group, um, sustainable neighbor or sustainable Highland, was also they seem to be active in in kind of helping promote that. How are the, the restaurants and the neighborhoods actually working together? So in the case of the Highlands, you're right, they kind of went to the different restaurant, promoted that. We also had a movie screening um, outside during the summer uh, that they helped, uh, they helped us promote. Um, I guess what we are looking to do moving forward is that we would like to engage uh, neighborhood associations more in terms of consumer education. So that's one of the big components of the project that uh, I'm going to start to be working on is how do we get people to actually change behavior around food waste and how do we get people to throw away less food? So this is where I really see um, a, a key engagement from, from these different neighborhoods, maybe organizing events or um you know, having demonst cooking demonstrations, it could be a variety of, of different things. So we're kind of in the process of thinking through that, but that's really where this prevention piece again, like comes in. And um, if people have ever heard of the food uh, recovery hierarchy, it comes from the EPA and it's an inverted pyramid that kind of lays out the most to least preferred way to deal with food waste. And at the very top, um, prevention is really what you want to aim for. And again, as, as I mentioned, it's because you want to avoid the waste of resources that went into producing the food. 
At the very bottom of this inverted pyramid is landfilling, and just above that is composting. So again, um, that's why we are so focused on the prevention piece, which I think makes Denver quite unique, because a lot of other localities are thinking more of composting and, you know, kind of like the end-all, be-all for food waste, but that's really not where we should be focusing our efforts. Um, prevention, but also feeding, you know, people, hungry people, like in Denver, uh, one in uh, six residents and one in five children are food insecure. At the same time, we're tossing away, you know, so much food that um, the average for the U.S. is like 40 percent of the food in the U.S. is wasted. Um, so this clearly is something that's not right there. So how do we avoid this food going to waste and at least either, you know, prevent it from going to waste or feed it to people who, who could eat it? I, I can see why you decided to go into this field because it does really hit on all those things of um, poverty and nutrition and child, you know, how we're taking care of children and, and families, people in need, um, as well as the, all the bigger environmental issues. And also what you said, too, of having that education piece um, that's that's neat too to have the the restaurants being kind of ambassadors or or touch points for the neighborhoods to be able to to raise these discussions and to have that kind of awareness. That's for sure, and that's uh, why we're also helping promote these restaurants on our social media on the city side. Um, we actually received a lot of press when we launched the Highland Pilot. Uh, back then, it was picked up by all you know all the major media outlets. So we're really trying to make it a high visibility event so that the restaurants can benefit from it and so that we can recognize the efforts, just like you were saying, um, because it is not easy. It is a transition. If you've never be if you've never composted before, it does take an adjustment uh, period. And again, thinking about that prevention piece and how are you going to incorporate that in your um, you know and how you operate that day to day. So we really want to make sure that yes, these restaurants get some visibility and publicity for for participating in 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 this pilot and this program. So. It's a very important part of it. And like I said, we have also given them all these promotional materials. So there are table tents and little uh, business size card that uh, they can give to patrons when they come so that they are aware that the restaurants that they're eating at is participating in this program and, and exactly what they're doing. So there's a lot going on around that. And as we keep expanding, you know, we'll just keep promoting that and coming up with fun ways to increase that visibility. And um, Leslie, what were the results of the challenge? Is there any kind of numbers that you were measuring with the, the pilot with the restaurants in Denver? So that's a very good question. So we did, uh, we conducted waste audits, uh, city staff did. That was fascinating. That was <laughs> my second week on the job. Um, but it was super interesting to see what does end up in the trash. So we um, the results of what we did is a bit informal because it's just a tiny snapshot and to really know how much um, you know how if less food was wasted you would really have to look at a much bigger period of time which is kind of difficult to do and and it's there's a lot of resources that go into doing that but what we were really looking at is what was the potential to divert um, some of this um, you know the recyclables and compostable from the trash. And uh, what we did notice is a huge increase, in the, obviously, in the amount of um, food that went into composting instead of the trash. So that's where we saw most of the results is that instead of just being going to landfill, at least um, 
these items were were being captured by compost. But uh, some of these restaurants, I think the potential to for diversion was uh, something in the order of 90%. So 90% of what was in the trash could have instead been either recycled or composted. Wow. Yeah. So by offering the, and again, like the, these numbers are to be taken with a grain of salt because they were, again, just a, a snapshot. But uh, it just goes to show what's possible. Um, even just by composting, at least... You know, the food is not emitting uh, methane in the landfill, but it's being used for a bigger purpose. I think this is a really great point for other people that are thinking about doing something like this. I mean, ideally, you probably feel like you should go in and have um, discussions with with restaurant owners or whoever saying, you know, we we would really we really think food waste is terrible and we really want you to do everything you can to prevent it. And that's a pretty difficult conversation to to start with. So by starting with composting, and then as you said, as they see it, it kind of works itself backwards in maybe a, a more gentle progression. Because I think all of us who are working in the environmental field, we always have to remember that what we're talking about is behavioral change and the, like the science of behavioral change and to understand how, how change actually happens, not how you want it to happen. Yeah. Yes. And it's, um, I think with food waste, that's, that's something that's a bit of a challenge for the, you know, people who are working in this field. Um, one of the things that we're working against is that most Americans, uh, I think it's, about 70% think that they waste less food than the average. But considering that of all the food that's wasted um, in the U.S., uh, consumer waste the most food. Um, we waste about 40% of the food of, you know, the overall food that gets wasted. Clearly something doesn't compute. NRDC did some um, some research on that in Denver and a few other cities. And in Denver specifically, uh, people were throwing away about 4.2 pounds of food per week. Of that, uh, 68% could have been eaten, so it was considered edible. So there's, you know, clearly a, a lot of work to be done. But of course, you know, if you talk to people, nobody wants to waste food and everybody thinks that wasting food is not okay. And from informal conversation, I can tell you that that's, you know, 70% of people thinking they waste less than the average is totally true. Anybody you talk to will say like, oh, well, I don't waste food or I waste very little food. Um, so it's, you know, how do you get to that awareness? But also it goes beyond awareness to, you know, having people actually maybe change their habits Um shopping more smartly, filling their fridge a bit less uh, so that they know what's in there. Um, so all of that are different aspects that, that are a bit challenging for food waste community is how do you, how do you get to the, the crux of the issue and get people to actually change behavior and, and realize that food is a valuable resource and we, yeah, we, shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be wasting it, it shouldn't go in the trash. We, we just need to think about a um, way to save the food. So the tips that you were saying for for consumers, so in your own home, something like, I hadn't really thought of that. What you just said is maybe not over shopping. So is that kind of one of the things that not only because it might go bad more quickly, but also just because you can't see it? Yeah, I think that's a major thing. I mean, I'm Europeans and in Europe we have way smaller fridges. Uh, so we tend to know a bit more what's in them. Not to say we don't waste food because we definitely waste food. Um, 
but it's a little bit easier to see what's in there. In the US, fridges are really big and they're very full. It's also, I mean, this is where, you know, food waste is a systemic issue because in grocery stores, you're really being pushed to buy more than you need. But I think something that people need to keep in mind is that the average household in the U.S. wastes um, $1,500 to $1,800 worth of food every year. So really, if you buy these extra big packages or if you buy higher quantities, knowing that on average you may waste about $1,800 a year, is it really worth the saving on that bigger package if you're going to waste some of it? Wasn't your money kind of better spent on maybe, you know, you'd spend a bit more knowing that the odds are you're actually going to eat it and not going to put your money in the trash. That's kind of one of the, one of the tricks is try to, to fill your fridge less so that you know what's in there. We have this culture of abundance. We want to make sure we provide for our families and that's really important. But I think we can still provide for our families and kind of being conscious of not overstuffing our fridge. Um, one tip is also people can put a little basket in their fridge with a sign on it that says, eat me first and just put in there, you know, things that, you know, you need to eat first. Um, another thing for me that's been important is in reducing waste is freezing. And it's funny because things that I totally take for granted, like freezing bread, I always freeze bread. A lot of people that I, you know, tell that to, they're like, you can freeze bread. So yes, you can freeze bread and you can freeze most anything. You can freeze milk, you can freeze eggs outside of the shell. Uh, um, one of, another tip is related to freezing. You can buy uh, ice cube trays like the silicone ones, and you can freeze things in the ice cube trays. For example, tomato paste. That's an item that most cooks will tell you. They'll open a jar of, or a can of tomato paste. They'll use one tablespoon for a recipe. The can or the jar stays in the fridge, and it goes moldy. Well, next time, just scoop a tablespoon at a time in an ice cube mold, freeze it, and you will have tomato paste anytime you need it. It's a really handy tip. You can also do that with herbs. Um, I mean, a variety of other items. I, lemon juice, lime juice, if you buy, you know, lemon or limes for a recipe and then you just, you know, squeeze half of a lemon, the rest kind of rots in the fridge. Just squeeze the, the lemon, put in ice cube trays and you'll always have lemon juice on hand because once it's in the freezer, it will really keep for a very long time. So yeah, your freezer is your best ally uh, in fighting food waste. I think another uh, big one too is expiration dates. Uh, people get really confused. About okay, I'm glad you're bringing this up. That was my <laughs> next. That was my next question. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's a tough one too. It's um, used by Best Buy, um, sell by. What does that all mean? And and a lot of time people will see the date and they'll just toss the food if if you know if the date has passed. There's really no consistency at the federal level. There's no regulation in terms of uh, of dates except for a baby formula. And that's about it. So it's kind of state by state. A lot of it is left up to the manufacturer because states will also have different standards for certain foods. So some states will regulate uh, dairy and meat but uh, and shellfish, but others will not. And even across states, um, the dates that are allowed on some of these fresh pro uh, products like milk will be different. So clearly, uh, if there isn't even a unify or an agreement on how long the food is good for, the dates are pretty meaningless, especially if you're talking about things like crackers, honey, um, this, you know, salt. The salt has expiration dates. That's 
Salt doesn't go bad, uh, neither does honey. Um, so I think one important thing here is most of the time, the date on the food is related to um, quality and not just, you know, when it's not just when the food is going to go bad. Like if it's with meat, you should pay a bit more attention. But if it's um, something like, again, like crackers, it's just more an indication of when is it going to be freshest, but your cracker is still going to be good well past the date. So I think this is where I would encourage people to rely on their senses. So look at it, smell it, taste a little bit of it. If it looks fine, smells fine and tastes fine, it's probably fine. Um, and you can go ahead and consume it. Just be a bit more careful with, you know, like I said, meat and, and maybe dairy, but even yogurts, I have eaten yogurts that were way past the expiration date and they were fine. I live to tell the tale. <laughs> yeah, I always wondered about that. Like, how can something that is fermented actually go bad? Exactly. Um, as a kid, my mom always made um, clean the fridge soup, which I was like, I'm just shocked. That just seemed like the worst idea. But then when I became a mom, I'm like, oh, this is brilliant. Um, so what are some other ideas that you have, kind of like what you mentioned before about the restaurants using, you know, maybe making dog biscuits or something? Mm -hmm. What are things, what are strategies that you think that people could, you know, you've got maybe, I don't know, some produce or something that's not at the super freshest level. Uh, what would you recommend they do with that? Have a leftover day, uh, kind of what like your mom was doing. You don't necessarily have to make soup, but kind of see what's in there and what you can make with that uh, that day. So just plan on having at least one leftover night every week. Uh, there's also a lot of ideas on savethefood.com, which is uh, related to the Food Matters Project and what NRDC is doing. They have tons of tips and recipes on how to use a variety of ingredients and how to store ingredients, like how to best store, you know, produce and, and different things. So look around the internet. Um, there's a lot out there. I do think that soup is a really fantastic idea. And guess what? You can freeze it if you can't consume it right away. So this is where that tip comes in again. So if you need lunch, you know, you can just put it in a jar, put it in the freezer and then take it to work and you'll have soup by lunchtime. So I think soup is always great. There's also very strange things that you can um, cook. Like, for example, one thing that tends to go bad really quickly are these bags of lettuce, uh, like that are pre-washed. You can make soup with that stuff, or you can actually saute it. Um, for the most part, these greens can be cooked. Um, and then just like you would cook spinach or, or kale or whatever, just add some, you know, lemon and and garlic, some spices, and you'll have yourself a little stir fry. But you can make, make soup out of that, and it's actually quite tasty. It just, it's just not something you think about, but as it turns brown in the, in the fridge, think about that. Um, but there's a lot, uh, there are a lot of resources on the internet on, on how to use, you know, some of the, this food that may be going by, bad in your fridge. I think another one that I uh, really like and find handy is... Uh, you can keep a bag in your freezer, my favorite tool for uh, breadcrumbs. So, for example, if you have leftover breads, uh, you can just uh, put in a food processor. Same with crackers, chips, all of these leftovers. You can make like one big bag of uh, breadcrumbs. And so you'll always have a different breadcrumb uh, mix that you can uh, that you can use on your casseroles and whatever recipe you, uh, you want to make and just keep it in the freezer so that it's fresh and it's always there and you don't have to buy it at the store. 
just make it out of what you have. So that's another kind of handy uh, tip. Uh, another one that I like is if you have leftover vegetables, um, you can have another freezer bag for making uh, stock. So just keep your carrot tops, uh, parsley stems. Um, I also put celery, basically any vegetable scrap. Um, just keep it in a bag in the freezer. And when you have leftover chicken and you want to make chicken stock or, you know, uh, vegetable stock, you can empty the content of that bag into a big pot, boil it, ta-da, you get yourself some homemade chicken stock, which you can also freeze. Yes, that was going to be coming. <laughs> you definitely put that in the freezer. Wow, those are some great tips. And I think, you know, there are certain things that really get us, like I think the salad bags is one of those. So that is a, that's a good idea because I, I feel like a, a lot of people buy the salad bags because it's going to be more convenient and and then to have it <laughs> turn into this gloppy right. bag of some so to know that if it's been a little while that you can that start thinking about soup or sauteing it um for something is is awesome i um i volunteered a little bit at same cafe uh in oh, Denver. Yeah. so all may eat cafe this is a place that for those of you who don't know, is um, somewhere where uh, anybody can eat. And if you don't have money, then you can work there for 30 minutes and you can pay what you want. But they are, they're amazing. And so I worked, you know, in the kitchen and they had that, they had the stock bucket. So when you were preparing the vegetables, they had a list there of which vegetables the scraps go into the stock bucket. And there were some vegetables and fruit that didn't. And so they made that clarification right up front. Um, and I thought that was probably a good idea too, is just having the list so you don't have to think about it. Um, you know, which things do and don't work well in there. Yeah. And yeah. And they, they also compost and they have such little that goes to landfill. It was just a joy to be to be working there and like oh do you have compost yes of course and then there's also compost out in the eating area and this is you know a lot of people that are just moving through denver may not even have a mm -hmm. place to sleep and yet they have figured out how to do it um so it's it's really inspirational when you see restaurants and places out there making those those changes and the other tool that I was going to mention is I like to make a lot of juice and so I you know some days I do the clean the fridge soup but sometimes I do the clean the fridge um, juice yeah so I just put it all in my juicer and you know whether it's zucchini or cucumbers or apples um, oranges ginger lemon all that stuff and then, Leslie, you'll be happy to know, sometimes I freeze it. Yay! <laughs> yeah. And, great. And another place that is that I like to get some of that, if I'm going to be doing a big juicing, is Natural Grocers has all 100% organic. And they'll often have bags, like $2 bags of produce that's getting ready to go bad. And huh. so I'll just get bags of whatever they have and then juice the heck out of it and and then the the stuff that comes out of my juicer I compost so it it does it just feels I think it it 
we know deep down that there is a cycle to life and that it is this kind of low-grade irritant when we are taking action so that we know, you know, like throwing the plastic in the trash, um, you know, like like that plastic bag of the, the salad, like what's going to happen to that? Mm-hmm. It's such a much nicer feeling when you're getting these, um, you know, this produce from wherever you can and using it and um, freezing it and and putting and composting what's left. Um, so my last question, Leslie, is what would you recommend for other communities that are out there that are thinking like, wow, that would be such a cool thing to work with restaurants and neighborhoods. Um, how, what would you recommend? How should they start? Or what are some of the lessons that you learned going through this process? So I have relied heavily on other uh, counties and cities uh, to learn what they're doing and um, to get lessons from that. And so Denver is doing the same thing. So we are trying to make all of our materials available to other cities. Anybody's welcome to contact us at any time. And we are more than happy to chat on how we have done, you know, the restaurant challenge and what they can think about. We're also doing education of restaurants uh, with our uh, food uh, inspectors throughout the city to educate them to the fact that you can uh, donate food without fear of liability because there's a law in place, um, a federal law, where you cannot be held liable if you're donating food in good faith. A lot of restaurants still don't know that that's the case. Um, So we're educating them uh, and we're making these materials available online so other city can reuse the, you know, the little um, pamphlet that we made and that we've been distributing. And I have learned from a lot of other places too. I was just last week, I was talking to folks in Oregon uh, to learn how they have been doing their consumer education and learning some tips. So there um, there is a lot out there. I think it's a matter of kind of figuring out what's going to work for you. But I think if there are people who work in other uh, cities or counties or states that are listening to this, uh, my my main takeaway is really work on prevention. Don't just think about composting. There is so much more that you can do uh, that goes way beyond composting. Work with your food rescue organizations. Think about ways to rescue more food uh, in your area as well. There's so much that can be done there. A lot of these organizations are really stretched uh, for funding and have very little capacity. So how can we support them um, and, and, and what they do so that you know we can have the dual goal of feeding people but also wasting less food? So um, the EPA has a... Um, a toolkit also that's called uh, Food Too Good to Waste that uh, localities can can use. Uh, they have a community of practice also uh, where people can learn from one another. It's it's very helpful, um, and it's all laid out uh, in the toolkit. Um, you can also, of course, uh, look at Save the Food, uh, the resources provided by the Natural Resources Defense Council. They also have um, tips for for uh, government, um, you know, to try to to put different things into place and uh, social media materials, et cetera. So I think there's just a lot, a lot out there and we can all benefit to learn from one another. I'm always available to, to talk to, to people that are interested in working in this. And I, I, you can really tell that the movement is growing. Food waste is really gaining attention. A lot of places are doing, are doing more and more around, around food waste. And I think that's really cool and exciting. And I can't wait where that leads us to, can't wait to see where that leads us. 
Well, and I think even with all the things that Denver did with like doing the movie night and doing, you know, partnering with neighborhoods and all the different parts and pieces, it just shows, you know, you can just, that's, that's something I think it's really a hidden secret of working in the environmental area is that you can be so creative. And uh, I think a lot of what you guys are doing is being really creative um, and up to the, the, the restaurant owner deciding how to make making dog biscuits with with their leftovers so and that is a something that i feel like in a lot of our more corporate environments we don't get to do as much and so that's a real benefit of of working in some of these um, areas like food waste as we kind of wrap up here is there any other words of wisdom or any other tips that you want to share um, before we we wrap up I mean, I think if uh, people are listening to this in the Denver area, I would definitely support the restaurants that are doing the the pilot. And, and when you go to these restaurants, let them know that, you know, you heard about the pilot and that you think what they're doing is really cool because we want to really show them that we, you know, these efforts are appreciated. But I think it's also think about in your personal lives how you can uh, reduce waste. Keep in mind that number that most people think they waste less than the average and think about how you fit within that uh, that we can always do better. Visit, you know, savethefood.com, look for resources there. There's also a re- another really cool website um, co- called Eat or Toss, which is um, looking at some foods that you may be wondering, huh, like there's a white coating on my chocolate. Can I eat that? Uh, well, Eat or Toss gives you the answer um, it's uh, administered by one of the people that I worked with in, in D.C. as part of the uh, Food Recovery Working Group. And it's, it's a really cool resource like, oh, my apple looks a little bit funny. Uh, what can I do about that? So I think it's just kind of looking around and, and see what, what's available out there how you can, and how you can do better in your, in your personal life. Uh, I think that's really kind of something I want people to take away. All right. Well, awesome. And definitely in the show notes, I'm going to include all these amazing links that that Leslie told us about. I'll also include the link so that you can see these restaurants in the Highlands and in South Pearl that have stepped up to to be part of this. So yeah, let's definitely support them. Um, but you know, if you're anywhere else, then maybe you can start your own project using some of the other resources that um, that Leslie shared with us today. All right. Well, I'm so proud of the city of Denver, and so glad that you uh, were enticed to move here from Washington D.C. to. <laughs> To be doing this with us. And um, with that, I'm going to wrap it up and remember everybody that the time for action is now because there is no planet B. Thanks, Leslie. And thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks, Joan. Bye. Well, that's it for another episode of the Green Team Academy podcast. Remember to check out all the resources to help you make a positive eco-impact in your community at greenteamacademy.com. Thanks so much and see you right back here soon.